0: You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice
1: Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and this is a special bonus episode that we are putting out Um, It's all about the design of Black Panther. Joining me today are two past guests, Regine Gilbert and Paul Anthony Webb, as well as a new guest who is also one of our community admins, Jordan Green. So over the next hour, we delve into the design, the art, the color psychology, the sound, and the symbolism of Black Panther. Just be warned, this is full of spoilers, so if you have not seen Black Panther yet, you probably don't want to listen to this episode, but if you have seen it, sit back and enjoy the conversation. I could not let any more time go by without doing a proper episode about the design and everything of Black Panther. Um, and to join me in this conversation, we have actually a couple of, uh, of former guests and we have a new guest here. So uh, why don't you all kind of go around, introduce yourselves. Paul, you start and then uh, Regine and then Jordan.
0: I am past guest Paul Anthony Webb from Boston, and I'll be moving to Tennessee soon, so uh, I'm everywhere.
2: Yeah, um, I'm Regine Gilbert, uh, past guest. I am so happy to talk about this movie and happy to be here.
3: Um, And I'm Jordan Green, new guest uh, from Seattle, Washington. I'm a longtime listener of the show, super happy to be here.
1: Nice. Yeah, I'm really excited to to get into this this whole conversation. So I want to just kind of begin with loosely going over, you know, the plot. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the plot because I feel like there's been a lot of reviews from other shows about the plot and the characterization and things like that. But just kind of want to briefly go over it. And then I want to get into talking about more of the design and visual elements and things that that we've seen. So uh, the movie starts off actually with a fairy tale. Um, It starts off with uh Injoku. I'm sorry, Njobu, who is a character that's played by Sterling K. Brown. And he's sort of telling the story about how Wakanda came to be, you know, this meteorite hit the earth, hit Africa, mm-hmm. the meteorite contained vibranium. And then, you know, after a while it, it, uh cre- you know, sort of mutated these herbs to be the arch, the heart shaped herbs, which anyone who ate them kind of gained the powers of, quote-unquote, the Black Panther. And then these tribes came together to form the nation of Wakanda. There were four tribes and then one in the mountains, uh, the Jabari tribe. And so it starts off with uh, N'Jobu, Sterling K. Brown's character, telling the story to his son. And from there, we sort of start to get an idea of kind of the majesty of Wakanda. You have the oh. current Black Panther from then, the 90s, come to visit his, uh, which we found out is his brother, And then we discover kind of the the reason behind the initial conflict of the movie, which is vibranium being stolen from Wakanda and being kind of sold elsewhere. Let's kind of just, you know, start from there. What did you all think about how the movie started off?
3: I was born in San Francisco and there was a lot of time I spent in Oakland. You know, Coogler, I appreciate him being from Oakland and Mm -hmm. he captured Oakland in the 90s really well. Like I was looking... It was almost like I was looking at a playground that I grew up on. Um, Like I realized, looked at those buildings, those like the props to the uh, Hannah Beecher, the set designer, because that was very much Oakland um, in the '90s. I could almost, like, I felt like I knew that corner. One of the things that I noticed on my second viewing was like there was like paint chipped along the bottom of the Killmonger's apartment, Uh, and. I have been in that apartment, you know, it's like, very, whoa, like not like in a, re- not
1: that actual apartment,
3: not the actual apartment, but in a okay. very real sense, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, that looks my oh. apartment. I grew up there. No, I'm just kidding. But I'll say, whoa, no, nah, no, nah. but <laughs> I, I've definitely been in apartments like that growing up. It was really, really cool to, to see that, um, at first
0: yeah I thought it was pretty neat, and uh well, I mean from my child- my childhood, I just moved around a lot, so I wasn't ever in like one space for long to have friends to play b ball with and whatnot but uh, I do love the whole um what's that uh world that they're in that's all mystical the oh the
1: the, the ancestral, ancestral planes, planes. yeah. Yes.
0: Ah, oh, that looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I'm so glad they brought it back for uh, like two or three more times in the movie. Uh, it, all, all I have to say is that was really mystical and beautiful. And um, I'm kind of sad I was born and raised in America. In <laughs> 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 yeah, for,
2: for me, the start of the movie, I, I actually used to visit Oakland uh, when I was little uh saw MC Hammer before he was big. <laughs> fun hey, fact. Yeah, yeah, fun fact when he was doing uh, little local shows. But mm-hmm. the the beginning for me it it gave me a good sense of like it it really started to establish the character early on, like the characters early on and getting mm-hmm. a sense of who they are and what what their country meant to them. And I got that from within the first, you know, 10 minutes of the movie, like how important their culture was to them and maintaining that culture.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so from, from there with the movie, it kind of then shoots into present day where actually it's exactly one week after the events of Avengers uh, civil war. It's right after that. And so we see that T'Challa who had the mantle of the black Panther, um, is now kind of wrestling with this conflict back home of becoming the king. He had to step into the mantle, you know, after his father was murdered. But now it's it's kind of this, uh, we get more of the sense of the lore and the culture of Wakanda behind the appointment of the Black Panther. It, it's not something that necessarily, I think, is passed out. It happened to be passed out in this case from father to son. But it's also a mantle that anyone in the village can challenge him for if they defeat him at Warrior Falls. And so we get to see, yeah. you know, in that opening scene, we see Okoye and the Dora Milaje. I'm skipping over. I just realized I skipped over the part with Nakia. Uh, but we we start to see yeah. the introduction of all the characters in one setting, Nakia, Shuri, Ramonda, um, even the other tribes, the river tribe, the mining tribe, the the Jabari the Golden Tribe, which is the actual family. We start to see them all introduced. We get more of the setting of the actual you know, city of Wakanda as they're going into the country of Wakanda, I should say, not the city, the country of Wakanda. As they're flying into it, we see the Warrior Falls. And I like that it really, in that, I want to say it was maybe like a five to 10 minute instance. We really got a good sense of the world of Wakanda just from that little snippet.
3: I really liked how well done that was. I noticed that the, you know, earlier before we started recording, I was talking about the, the sand, Sherry sand table. And to see the, like, story of Wakanda told with this sand, um, you really sort of understand that that's, like, the grounding of Wakanda. Like, you understand that that's, that's mm-hmm. very integral, that's an element of the story. And then this is going to be spoilers everywhere. So, you know, they get...
1: Oh, yeah, but <laughs> if people are this far in, we're spoiling yeah, everything. If
3: spo- so. you haven't seen the movie, I, I don't even know how to say spoiler alert anymore. But, <laughs> 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 you know, they get Nakia, and then they go, you know, they're traveling back to Wakanda. And uh, each one of those shots from uh, from the flight, like introducing the Talon fighter... Uh, T'Challa is essentially Air Force One and mm-hmm. all the way up to Okoye flying them back to Wakanda through over the border tribes lands. You really do get a sense of like a sense of place, which is like beautiful shots of in within a sense mm-hmm. of place. It, it felt like, you know, I have actually never been to the continent, but from pictures and from my exposure, it really felt like Beecher and Kugler did a really great job of capturing a sense of place for Wakanda, especially as you're you're flying in. The set design is just so beautiful and so gorgeous. And you can tell it's just like meticulously detailed. Yeah, uh,
0: I think I didn't breathe much while they were flying Mm -hmm. because I was inspecting the ship and the way like (laughs) the little fins or the wings just like spread out. And I was just Mm -hmm. like... (gasps) Oh my god, that's so cool! Yeah. And then Okoye just sitting cross-legged with her hands like up, like she was just steering with her mind or something.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah, it like, was like she was meditating. Yeah. yeah, just like what, what, what is this? And
0: then they enter the visibility force field, and everything just comes to life. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like thinking about it right now, actually, I'm just like, oh, oh my god. Like, it was just so neat. And I was just like, wow, this is, and here's what everyone has said on social media, and I've seen articles, and uh, it's just like, in my head, I was like, wow, this is what Africa could have been, Mm -hmm. if not for colonization. Mm -hmm. And like, every single time they showed Wakanda, I just kept thinking about that, like, wow, man, huh. (laughs) (laughs) what if I was like, like what tribe would I be in if I was in in what kind of like I was, I was like trying to push these thoughts off to the side. Cause I wanted to like enjoy the film. But at the same time, I was just like, Hmm, I think I'd be working in Shuri's lab. Mm, yeah. Let's see. I'd be working on these things. Oh, Oh man. I, yeah. My brain hurts at the possibilities of awesomeness. Everything was beautiful. Just everything.
2: Everything was beautiful, including I I used to design fashion. And, of course, I'm looking at Ruth Carter. yeah. Ruth Ruth Carter did an amazing, amazing, amazing job. Mm. Her and her team, because it takes a team to to dress a film like that. And everything was so meticulously done. Like, every outfit was on point. It's often rare that you, you see people of color, black folks, with their makeup done well, a lot of times they look yeah. ashy, mm-hmm. right? And the makeup yeah. was great. I don't, I don't know the makeup artist. I have to find that, but they did a, a wonderful job too, because I, and, and Paul, I, I, I agree with you. I kept thinking about what if we wouldn't have been colonized? Like what <laughs> yeah. the whole time I'm thinking, wow, the, the possibilities, but it's still a possibility
3: mm-hmm. at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Two things. One, I'm gonna jump a little bit ahead, but like when, when the lone white person that's in Wakanda is allowed to fly, uh, the ship. Shuri says, "Like (laughs) I made it American style for you, so you know how to fly it." And it like that little line right there keyed me into like, oh, so the way Okoye was flying the ship is the Wakandan style of flying the ship. So the first time that I saw. So the first time I, I I peeped that line, and then the second mm-hmm. time I went back and I saw it because I've also seen it three times. And I I looked, and um, there is a piece of technology around Okoye's arm as she's guiding the ship. So like as she's meditating, there's a projection of like I don't know if it's flight bearings. She's actually flying the ship with her hands. And so I I went and I you know I researched it. I've been like. My whole weekend has been it's been Wakanda weekend over here for me the entire time. <laughs> One of the things about the technology of Wakanda is is a lot of it is just your base. And they were very intentional. Kugler and Beecher were very intentional about and I would say mm-hmm. even um, the costume designer Ruth, whose name I whose last name I can't remember right now, Carter Beecher and Kugler were very, very intentional about having vibranium and uh, the technology responding to gesture instead of responding to like mouse clicks or having this like really difficult interfaces. And that really, to me, added to the techno like the sense of Afrofuturism mm-hmm. of the tech of Wakanda, because everything like things would just come on, like things would just happen. And you just knew that somebody had made a gesture or thought of something and the Wakanda technology was so seamless and responsive to it. And that was really, really cool.
1: So kind of moving forward, you know, through the plot, I'm going to go through this last part of it kind of quickly. So I'm just going to go from here to the end of the movie. So bear with me here (laughs) because I do want to still talk about the design of it. So what ends up happening after the whole warrior falls thing is that then we're introduced to claw, who is the person that we heard of in the beginning of the film, who stole the, uh, stole the vibranium, uh, with the help of the older, uh, T'Chaka's brother. And we also get introduced to Killmonger, although then I think they just call him Eric, but we end up getting introduced to Killmonger from there. We kind of shift to South Korea where there's this, uh, Incident that happens in a casino mm-hmm. that turns into a fight that turns into an epic car chase. We'll talk about the car chase and everything because that was that was the part in the movie where I shouted. Uh, mm-hmm. s- seeing seeing Okoye on top of that car with the red dress yes. just like oh, billowing no, in the no, background, no. like I Yo. I yelled in the theater every time I a saw beautiful it. beautiful moment, so beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh man.
1: very very warrior-esque it was it was amazing so again we we get introduced to to killmonger from there as this plot progresses killmonger ends up killing claw so he can end up gaining access uh to wakanda he ends up sort of like storming the throne room challenging t'challa to a battle ends up winning we think t'challa is dead because he's kind of tossed his body over the edge of the warrior falls afterwards and killmonger's whole uh spiel is that Wakanda has all of this technology and everything they could be helping out other black people throughout mm-hmm. the diaspora as opposed to keeping it all to themselves mm-hmm. eventually T'Challa comes back it's normal i mean it's through the the means of uh the Jabari tribe who we met earlier Mbaku Shuri <laughs> Ramonda Everett Ross the, the agent yeah. guy or whatever and they end up kind of the colonizer the colonizer right <laughs> uh, eventually this this ends up in a uh in a very epic battle between like the Dora Milaje, the other Wakandan troops versus uh Black Panther and Nakia and Okoye and everyone essentially it boils down to a duel between Killmonger and T'Challa T'Challa wins Killmonger we think is probably dead uh and then from there the movie kind of just ends for the most part I mean, there, there are the after credit scenes, which we can talk about as well. But generally, that's kind of the gist of the whole movie. I don't really want to focus too much on the plot. I really want to talk about the design yeah. and everything. So let's go back to that casino scene. Uh, let's go back to that. We talked, we talked about the red dress. There's an interesting yeah. video that's, um, from Vanity Fair where Ryan Kugler, uh, breaks down that scene and we'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can check it out, but he breaks down the scene so meticulously as opposed to this is how we did the shots. And mm-hmm. the part that really got me was when he was mm-hmm. explaining what each person was wearing and why they were wearing it and why they were wearing that color. So like Okoye is wearing red, T'Challa's wearing black, you know, sort of like a suit, but it's like a, a long uh, tunic of some sort. And then Nakia is wearing green and the symbols are actually supposed to be Wakandan symbols throughout the dress mm-hmm. the print is that because their symbols are made from geometric lines as opposed to arabic you know letters or what have you and they're mm-hmm. wearing red black and green because it sort of represents that whole like yeah. pan-african red black green that you would see in the flag i thought that was really dope
0: oh, oh i'm really? so mad i didn't notice it until he said it
1: right i, I didn't like... know. <laughs>
0: Like, really?
1: Come
3: on. Like, <laughs> everyone knows these are African colors, so I'm just like,
0: oh, neat. Swag.
3: I, um, <laughs> I really like Nakia. Uh You know, Paul earlier has said, like, which which tribe would I be in Wakanda? And I was like, definitely river tribe all the way. Green's my color. Uh, and those ring blades, like, you know, I'm not sure if this <laughs> oh, was intentional, yep. <laughs> but I'm a big fan of Xena, so I just really like those uh, ring blades that... Uh, Nakia was wearing Lupita Inogo's, uh skin is so beautiful, like her, the darkness of it, the richness um, could really play off that green and rock those greens in a way that I don't. I think would been really difficult for anyone except for except for the Dora Malaje to rock, um, and so it was really cool seeing um, that dress and that scene, mm-hmm. um, and it's the only time you actually see uh, Nakia's hair. Blown out like that. Every other time, they're like these tiny little Bantu knots, and so it was it was interesting to see how like this spy pretty much uh, like changes her hair to fit. Like it, that's so rare that you see that for natural hair, no matter who like women, men, whatever gender you have. Like it's so rare to see natural hair hair be that versatile um, in the mo- like in any movie where people are changing roles or whatever what have you so it was great to mm-hmm. i really i i dug really dug that i really dug the green and the red black and green thing i did peep that the second time i was like oh look at that pan african flag that's really cool
2: and, and i loved and it, when they were going in and she's like uh, i hate this wig i hate yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, the wig so yes. yeah, that yeah. Was, and, and, that was and a great moment where it was tossing that off like and it that. was so great yeah. to see her toss it off and just for for me personally, I've worn my hair natural for the last 14 years. And to see people with their natural hair was just such a beautiful thing for me. As I was sitting there watching the movie, I just thought about the little girl in me and wishing that I could have seen something like this when I was little. Totally. And I, I am so like, yeah, I was so... You know, blown away by by the inc- intricacies of of little things like our hair. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. our hair is a big deal. It's a big part yeah. of who we are, and it, and mm-hmm. and everything about this movie was unapologetic about who we are.
1: And I think also, kind of speaking, you know, to hair, an- another interesting thing we see is with the Dora Milaje having no hair. Mm-hmm. They're all completely bald and that is seen throughout Wakanda Mm -hmm. as like a source of strength you know Okoye has the distinctive tattoos on her Mm -hmm. head that I guess would mark her as being kind of the general I thought that was was really important too that you're also seeing women that don't have hair Mm -hmm. and they're being depicted as being powerful and strong the most powerful and strong enough to protect the king. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I
0: just thought about something. It makes sense why they would be bald, too, purely for aerodynamic reasons.
1: <laughs> right, because they've all got those, those staffs. And if you're swinging that right. around, that gets yeah. caught in, yeah. in your hair. That's It's a wrap.
3: Yeah, you can't be wearing you micro w- braids with swinging <laughs> right. that staff yeah. around like that. Like, you just... I
0: mean, either it's a wrap or it's an unintentional haircut. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but, man, uh, I think she unintentionally snatched everyone's wig off when she took hers (laughs) off and just threw in that guy's face and then just whacked him in the face that whole scene like uh i was very audible uh (laughs) during during that yes oh and especially when she got on top of the car during that chase and she oh my god she was just focused and uh yeah, I think that's another time in the movie my breathing just went very shallow. And I was just like, like, my breathing cannot, like, I, I need to hear all the things that are happening. I need to focus. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so excited all <laughs> over again. I, I need to get this on 4K Blu-ray. Yeah. Like, every media. Because uh, going back to the design, like, I only really buy the physical media of movies when there's something like really neat that i need to just pause look at take uh screenshots and everything i'm going to do that so much with this movie get all the like art books Mm -hmm. everything's beautiful all the comic books that are on sale everything's beautiful and i want kimoyo yes Uh,
3: who is selling
1: who is selling those on etsy i want them (laughs)
3: <laughs> they're they're online. Uh, first of all, they're, I'm going to issue this sort of design challenge because there are camo beads. You can buy them. Um, I found them on Etsy, and uh, but they're not by a black designer. Okay. And so mm. they're beautiful beads. I don't want to take away from white designers, but I really, um, as much as possible, I want to give my. Uh, dollars to black designers that are being intentional about sort of putting this putting more media stuff out there because there's going to be black Mm -hmm. cosplayers that are going to make a good set of kamoyo beads and Mm -hmm. you know put it out there i'm really waiting to find a black designer that takes on that design
1: challenge what do you hope to see in terms of like black art and design that come out of this movie i mean we're we still have so much to talk about in terms of the design of the movie, but what do you kind of see as being the aftermath? Like what, what kind of seeds do you think this is planted?
2: Well, I'm hoping that there, I mean, clearly our, our spending power showed this weekend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I would really, really like to see us putting it back in our own community instead of it going out immediately. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, I, I live in Harlem And there are plenty of I have I have fashion designer friends who will only get their fabric from, you know, the 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 people who sell fabric here that it's from Africa. Right. They Mm will get it from there. And so my hope is that we can use our own internal resources Mm -hmm. and uh, to get that out there and then support each other with that.
3: In Seattle. Uh, El Patrice uh, Bell did um, put on Wakanda: Homecoming, and so had a like rented out two theaters, and it was filled with like 500 black people. And we all um, we all came to see Black Panther, and we had all dressed up. There was food served at the theater. I was really intentional about getting so everybody was like, "What are you wearing? What are you wearing? What outfit are you getting?" And I looked for black um, black designers to like buy my like dashiki from and buy all, like I ended up getting the Wakanda pin flag pins. And that was done by Radical Dreams Pin, which is a black owned shop. Um, And I really, you know, uh, I really am grateful for the power of the internet because I can find a bunch of black designers and have them ship their things to me. Um, And if I could see anything that comes out of this, I was just, I left as a designer, I felt inspired. Like I was like really looking at the typography of not only, uh, not only the pictograms in the letter forms of Wakandan, but mm-hmm. also what, what were they using when they were doing it in English letter forms. Right. And I was just really inspired by that. I left look Green's my favorite color, and I didn't know how to combine lime green and mm-hmm. like a cooler green. And then you see the uh, River Tribe Elder suit, and it's this beautiful, beautiful emerald green. And then that guy underneath was killing it, it, yeah, killing the game, just beautiful, uh, cool green. And then underneath it, it has this like very vibrant lime green. And so I was just like, I was like copping looks. I was just, <laughs> I was really uh, inspired by the set design of the uh, the Jabari tribe and like the very clean wood finishes of the throne room where oh, we see, that was like, where we see, yeah, where we see Mbaku sitting on that throne. And I was like, you know, I've never seen sort of this dark wood and this very clean. Um, clean aesthetic, clean wooden aesthetic used in black, uh, black design you know mm. like it's always attributed to like a swedish or a japanese mm-hmm. design form and it's never attributed to like an african one yeah and then to see all of the like you know from a personal standpoint to see all of the beautiful hairstyles and you know the jabari tribe look are like these big beefy dudes with beards so i was like copying their <laughs> beard game i was just like you know just to see all of the haircut styles everything everything was beautiful and so i left feeling really inspired to go out and like really play more with design i wanted to like you know i wasn't really um even in my design education i didn't get exposed to a lot of black designers designers from the african diaspora designers from the african continent and so um, you know, revision pass has been really helpful for me to get that sort of like ad hoc design education later in in mm-hmm. my career. But um, I'm really like I want to go back and come through and like try to see like and read up on these designers and see like how can I who are inspiring them and like how can I uh, bring that to to my to my designs? What I'm doing?
1: Yeah, I thought the use of color psychology mm-hmm. throughout. Black Panther was really something. I mean, you mentioned the green. So the green is the river tribe. And it's interesting because Nakia is supposed to be this, this, uh, this spy. She is, is trying to do well for people outside of Wakanda and things like that. And green kind of represents this, uh, this innovation. I, Mm -hmm. I keep hearing, If you, if you go back and listen to that, that, um, Vanity Fair video that I mentioned, Ryan Kugler keeps referring to Nakia as an innovator. Mm -hmm. And green is often kind of used as a color that means something is fresh and new and innovative. Uh, the Jabari tribe, you have two colors actually. You've got like the brown of the wood, but also white because they're off in the mountains and around all the snow and like even some of the fur, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, that is, is part of their, uh, part of their costumes. That represents this kind of like isolation because they're away from the rest of Wakanda. They're off in the they're off in the mountains. But, you know, those colors also kind of represent simplicity. They completely reject the technological advances that are going on in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And theirs is just very simple. It's wood, fur, snow, very kind of stark, clean, you know, kind of kind of an aesthetic. Uh the Dora Malaji are wearing red, of course. Red is, like, symbolizing power, mm-hmm. intensity, which, of course, they certainly bring that. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. when when a, when Okoye a is wearing the red dress, it's not just because it's also, like, the color of the Dora Malaji, But, I mean, when that dress is billowing in the wind and she's on top of that car, it's like a fire. Yeah. It's like flame, <sighs> you know. So, it, mm-hmm. it represents that kind of, like, feeling of, of charged energy and intensity. Uh, and one thing I thought that was really interesting is how blue— was used yes. throughout. Yeah. Um blue is used throughout the movie in different ways to mean different things. Mm-hmm. So in Shuri's lab and as uh as what we see vibranium being, you know, kind of the 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 raw element of vibranium, everything there is kind of this like icy blue. Correct. And usually that kind of icy blue kind of means like high tech sort of a a thing. You normally will see that associated with high-tech or neon or electricity or something like that. You look at them the trains that Shuri created and all of that. It's its all blue. Blue is also used for the border tribe mm-hmm. the, oh, where yeah. Wakabi was a part of. Mm-hmm. And so they, with them, you know, when you think about who wears blue in this society that is meant to protect, it's usually the police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So they're kind of like, I mean, they're, they're not the police force, but they kind of serve as the border guards to kind of keep outsiders away from Wakanda. But also, blue is also the color of Ramonda. the antagonists. Oh. No, no. Well, Ramonda was in white, I think. No. Did she have on blue? She, has she did the, have on blue in the mountains. She has on blue in the mountains and she
3: has blue on in the throne room when mm. Killmonger comes. Like, so you see her first in white, which I thought was really cool because this was unintentional on uh ruth miss carter's part but uh white in is traditionally a color of mourning in a lot of like west african uh uh, nations and so i was like oh yeah go ahead sorry
1: no i was gonna say but when we meet ramonda at first she's wearing all white Mm
3: -hmm. yeah because the king just died right Right, right. Yeah. But then she's also wearing um she ends up wearing blue throughout the film, what I thought was an interesting design choice because, you know, as we know, the uh uh T'Challa ends up wearing purple a lot, like underneath the black mm-hmm. is purple. Mm-hmm. And um Kugler was very uh considerate and deliberate with that in saying that color symbolizes royalty, but you you don't see the Queen Mother ever wear that color. Um yeah. Uh, you see, like, that's deep true. indigos, but um, I went. Oh, that was a and very... also
0: the kinetic energy in his suit is purple.
3: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And the only other time you see purple is when Shuri's wearing the Kamoyo beads and activates his suit. Um, mm-hmm. And when T'Challa uses the Kamoyo beads to, like, talk. But then um, anyone else that's using the Kamoyo beads, they're either orange. Or if you're an outsider like it was for um, Agent Ross, they were blue. And that's the other only mm-hmm. other time you see blue is when it's pertaining to the outsiders.
1: Yeah, the blue is always used for the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Killmonger wore blue, uh Claw in the casino wore blue. Mm-hmm. Uh even I think when they cap well, when they capped him he was still wearing what he wore in the casino, but even they were wearing blue as well. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how that was kind of used as this. Uh, kind of antagonistic sort of color in a way, like part security, but also part outsider yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. I really liked how that, how color was kind of used throughout. I mean, aside from just the joy of seeing black people wearing color, I mean, usually when you see these kind of superhero films, it's not a lot of color. Mm-hmm. Everyone's wearing like leather something. <laughs> it's, it's pretty yeah. like dark and muted. Mm-hmm. And here it's like this explosion of color. Throughout the movie in a whole bunch of different ways.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. That really visually distinctively sets Black Panther apart from the rest of the MCU versus even, I would argue, the Netflix shows and Agents of Shields and even The Runaways is like this beautiful, vibrant color mm-hmm. that you don't see in any of the other MCU properties that have been out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this movie is very much like you get the Crayola box with like 128 colors and then
3: everything else is like, oh, here's your standard eight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just remember that Ramonda uh, in the comics is from South Africa. She's not actually Wakandan. And so that might be uh, one of the reasons why she's wearing blue, like a subtle nod to the fact that the Queen Mother is actually not uh, from Wakanda. She's only Wakandan by marriage.
1: Yeah, they don't really go too far into the the lore of, you know, kind of the lineage of, of T'Challa, which I thought was, I think, a good thing to do in the first movie. Uh-huh. You don't want to bog it down too much. Regine, I want to talk to you about the architecture. Okay. Um, <laughs> something that I noticed, like, right in the beginning of the movie as they're coming in, you see Wakanda as this mix of old and new, of, like, traditionalism versus innovation and how it's all like coexisting in the same space.
2: Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing to see, like, I don't, to think of the future, right. And the possibilities of this, essentially this metropolis, but with all these, essentially the borders that are very rural. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and from, from the desert to the mountains where where, you know, people when they think of Africa, they don't think of snow, but yet that, mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah. Right. So it yeah. for for me it, it showed the, the landscape in a way and, and maybe I'm not talking architecture per se, but it showed the landscape of of from from the ruralness of of being with the with the rhinoceros and everything else and then you have these cities this thriving city where when they when they showed the scene of the city and the people interacting in the city it was just like any other city that would be out there and then you go to the to the high mountains with all this snow so it was just really awesome to see the the variety of landscapes that exist and and the ecosystems that live within each of those landscapes and mm-hmm. and how they're mm-hmm. all ca- kind of connected to this one you know to this one place
1: in the city i thought it was interesting there was almost like a i don't want to say reverse gentrification but it felt like it but you had these these old monuments right next to these huge skyscrapers mm-hmm. like everything was kind of coexisting in one space, the old didn't have to make a place for the new. If anything, they built the new around the old. Like I was <laughs> yeah. noticing, uh, one, one thing that stood, that stood out to me the most when they were pulling, they were pulling into, they were in the, they were in the Talon Fighter and they were going to land and one of the buildings, um, had this very distinct, and you probably, you probably all know what I'm talking about, had this distinct look with these little, like, it looked like prongs or something that were sticking out from it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And that that resembles the great mosque in Mali. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice nod to that that level of architecture where you've got something that is coming from a distinctly African architecture style. That's not a hut or something Mm. like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's shown in this modern metropolitan setting. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's.
3: Um, to hear that they went to these uh, uh, African uh, African settings, uh, African cities to draw from the feeling of what it's like walking around in the marketplace. Um, and that, yeah, it was is just Wakanda. Like, I kept looking, like, the third time I kept looking at all the background characters. Um, and mm-hmm. there was there was this distinctive like we want to make it feel like afro punk feel that um yeah. i saw this um black person with a blue afro just walking around in the background at the end scene and i was just like that's that's the kind of wakanda i want to live in you know and it felt just wow. so uh so vivid and so real it was so great
1: so I'm a, i'm about to mention something here that's probably going to blow your mind a little bit so We've been talking uh, throughout the episode about the sand. Uh, mm. The sand was at first used when they were doing that fairy tale. They also showed it on the ship when they were uh, looking at those trucks to try to see where Nakia was. I think they also used it as well in Shuri's lab. And so the sand has this interesting connection to um, it's actually an African style of divination yeah. that they use with sand. Hmm? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's and I, I found out about that from uh, Ron Eglash. Yeah. <laughs> this guy he did a TED talk Good. about fractals and African designs and stuff. Interesting. His wife has been on the show. His wife is Audrey Bennett. She's been on the show. So that was I just kind of wanted to tie that back into to that. But I thought the sand part was really interesting, showing how when they talked about it, it was always in this uh, in this realm of seeing what's not there, mm-hmm. and it played off of that particular kind of divination oh, sequence wow, which I thought was, was pretty cool.
0: Oh <laughs> wow, that that did actually kind of blow my mind. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I wonder what uh Wakanda's Photoshop looks like. <laughs> 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 they probably don't even use Photoshop in <laughs> Wakanda. I, I mean, yeah, uh, Wakanda shop. I, I, Wakanda. I don't know. Wakanda shop. <laughs> like they they don't seem to use mice and mouse pads and keyboards. Like, Mm-mm. man,
1: yeah, everything is like touchscreen or some kind of. Well, we're we're saying everything, but it's gesture based as well. Like you said, with yeah. the beads and and everything, you don't really get to see that much of Wakanda tech outside mm. of of kind of Shuri's lab. I mean, I think Shuri's lab is still pretty cool, but. Even the innovations that they have with being able to do kind of this seamless communication from around the globe, like when they during the car chase in mm-hmm. uh, South Korea, you know, T'Challa and Shuri are able to talk to each other lag free. Oh my god. How's that how's that happening? How's that going on? Yeah. You know?
0: That reminds me something that jumped out at me when she gave him these devices and she was like, Oh, and they have unlimited range. I was thinking, what? carrier do they use <laughs> Wakanda net <laughs> like, wow that is incredible because like you know you're going to another country right like yeah, you know, just, man I need to get in on that get some of their stock
2: I want to take a step back to the beginning of the film and what really kind of caught my eye was that like the like first thing when the when the font pops up? Can we talk about this font? Yeah. Yes, let's I, talk, about let's talk about it. I'm not a big font person, but I I do like I've I've traveled uh, quite extensively, and I love taking photos of like old signage and and things like that. But when that font popped up, I was like, that is so dope. Like that is I mm-hmm. really really it just that was one consistent. You know, we knew where we were right? Mm-hmm. Based on that, you know, it's just popping up. And so I just wanted to know your th- thoughts on the font. And the
1: second uh, viewing that I saw of, uh, of Black Panther, they showed a trailer for Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Um, or what's it called? Jurassic World Fallen... Something. Yeah. I don't know, I'm not gonna watch it. But anyway, they showed that. <laughs> they showed the trailer to that movie. And the font that's used for that is often attributed to quote-unquote African designs. You know, it right. has that kind of like, that chunky... Geometric font with the lines in the, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? That font? Yeah. I, I forget the name of it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but that font has always kind of weirdly been associated with, you know, Ursat's African designs of some sort. Yeah. Uh, whereas what we see with what's used actually in Black Panther are these really neat geometric forms. Uh, and it's actually a font that people can download. I'll put a link to it, to that also in the show notes. It's a free font called Beino, uh, that was used in the movie. When I saw it, I initially thought, oh, I think I've seen that before because we've had an African typographer on the show mm-hmm. before, Kevin Karanja, uh, episode 24. And I was like, oh, this looks like a font that he created because it was very similar. It was this very similar kind of geometric uh type of font. Uh, that wasn't what it was. It ended up being this Bayno font. But I really liked that it's it was geometric and it matched what I guess the Wakanda letter forms might've been Mm -hmm. in some way as they were doing that scrambling Mm -hmm. and how it still retained that form and that shape. I thought that was a really unique way of saying Africa without saying Africa. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of geometry in this entire movie.
3: Kugler was really big into doing sacred geometry for the movie and the set design Um, and really drew from that Um, and so it was really great to see it sort of played out in almost every single thing there's just I mean I feel like we could have a like four-hour conversation about the design because everything was so intricate and so um, there was such wonderful attention to detail um, done by the production team
1: Speaking of attention to detail, let's talk about the sound. Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about the sound. One thing I thought was interesting that you don't see with Marvel movies is that both a soundtrack and a score was released. Mm -hmm. Mm. Generally, we'll only get a score, uh, but not necessarily a soundtrack. And I don't know if if either of you have heard both of them, but they are vastly different. You know, of course, the, the soundtrack, I think, came out maybe a week earlier. Uh, and that's the soundtrack was, uh, put together and curated by Kendrick Lamar. He's featured on several of the songs along with other African artists. Um, and then the score comes out and it's what you hear in the movie. But honestly, I didn't pick up on the score until I heard it isolated <laughs> outside of the movie. Yeah. Like I was so drawn in by the colors and the action and the movement that, I don't know. The The sound was a good part in kind of building the world of Wakanda, the sound of Wakanda, particularly all of the vocal elements. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're in the Warrior Falls, Fo- no, not in the Warrior Falls, in the, in the casino, and they're about to fight, and you hear them go like, chip, 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 chip. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, shit, it's about to go down. <laughs> <laughs> and and even at the end, through the end credits, you know, you hear these, these uh, singers singing. It's a choir, but then it's also like traditional African singer. It was so good. The sound did such a great job. The score of kind of really setting the world Mm -hmm. in a, a a very tangible context.
2: Yeah. I sound putting, making the right sound. I don't know. I've, I've, they have a great museum in Queens called the museum of moving images. And you can actually try to be like a sound engineer Mm -hmm. while you're there. Mm -hmm.
3: And
2: if you, it's a hard job. <laughs> yeah. It's a very hard <laughs> yeah. job to actually put the right sounds at the right moment. And again, like I, I don't know these people's names, but they did such an amazing job because they built up the su- the suspense when they needed to build the suspense. You know, you were calm when you needed to be calm. It was just, yeah, yeah. When, you know, that scene where he's talking to his father, like all of that stuff. That it just carried the the sound carried through beautifully in my opinion.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I've been listen- i been listening. So when the album dropped, I've been obsessed with this movie. So when the album dropped, I was listening to it on repeat the soundtrack. And then uh, I just heard the score today. Uh, and I just read an interview with the person who did the score because he's worked with uh, Kugler. I can't remember his name off the top of uh, my head. Uh, but yeah, his name with, is
1: Ludwig Gorenson.
3: Yeah, Ludwig Gorenson has worked with Kugler um for a couple of movies now and he was actually one of the people behind um he he was actually one of the people behind uh donald glover's or childish gambino's awaken my love Mm -hmm. oh i didn't
0: know that
3: like you know yeah so i was like you know when i uh, i think it was either maurice or someone who linked me the uh, the link me the article and when I saw the person pop up I was like what is this white person <laughs> and with a name like Ludwig right I was like man this dude that's the name I of like son. you know I was already a little sus you're right I was like I'm a little bit suspect and then I was reading through all of what he did and he like traveled around with a lot of African mu- uh, musicians he was in South Africa for a long time East Africa for a long time um, really doing his research and really sort of building up this score. And I, you know, honestly, I was a little bit worried when I heard the soundtrack um, mm-hmm. because the soundtrack doesn't sound like Africa at all. Well, like, there sounds, There's
2: also a Senegalese musician, Baba Mal, that worked on it.
3: Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. Baba Mal, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, but the soundtrack, when I heard it, I was like, this sounds very much like Kendrick Lamar. And it sounds very much like uh, L.A., Oakland, uh, West Coast hip hop. And I was mm-hmm. like, that you know, one of my critiques about American writers handling Black Panther in the comics is like sometimes they'll make him a Black American and not make him a Wakandan. And mm. as as a fanboy, a hardcore fanboy, I was like, please don't. That's a. I feel like that's a mistake that often gets. Um, that often black or american people make about african folks it's like first of all we're going to treat the entire continent like a country and second of all what we're going to do is we're going to equate it to whatever we think about black people back home so hip-hop in a very specific sound
1: yeah it's it's interesting to try to take what is you know a distinctly american uh music form like hip-hop and then have that kind Mm -hmm. of be transposed into an african setting
3: yeah so it was i mean i think ludwig did a really good job of making um i think like regine said like making it really set in this world i was very really happy with that
1: yeah i feel like the soundtrack was killmonger the score was t'challa oh, yeah.
3: that's a great way yes. to think about it
1: yeah that's how i feel because I, I sort of felt the same way i mean i think maybe halfway through the soundtrack i was like i don't like this and it got better it got better after, yeah. what song was that? Paramedic. It got better after that. I was like, okay, I yeah. get it. But one thing that I thought was interesting that carried over from perhaps the soundtrack to the score is how they use instrumentation to subtly bring about where each character was in the, in the movie. So like mm-hmm. when T'Challa is Black Panther, he's always kind of accompanied by these horns. When the Dora Milaje are fighting, uh, it's always like that kind of vocal, you know the yip 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 like I was talking mm-hmm. about before. Whenever Killmonger comes in, there's like this hip hop beat that's added underneath everything. Like when mm-hmm. you listen, like listen back through the score,
3: yeah. every
1: time when Killmonger when it's in the mu- happened at the museum, uh, when he stormed the throne room, there's like this hip hop beat subtly under you know these African drums and plaintive whistles and stuff like that, which I thought was pretty cool. Kind of reminded me of uh of Peter and the Wolf. How each of the how each of the (laughs) each of the animals is like corresponding to a specific instrument in the orchestra. That's how it felt like in the score. So do we have any any final thoughts on on Black Panther and the design and everything? Anything uh, anything else we kind of want to go and talk about?
2: Well, I need to see it three times like you guys did. I <laughs> yeah, I I only I <laughs> I mean athletes. you're a, you're a lot more in the details than me seeing it the one time and just being overwhelmed with mm-hmm. emotion. I will just say this, when I left that movie theater, I left standing taller and yeah, feeling yeah. Mm-hmm. really good about the space that I'm in, that I'm that I'm in this uh-huh. space to educate, that I'm in this space to design. There was so much, like, from a usability standpoint, that I do want to go back and look, like, through, through the UX of the movie. And, <laughs> and um, but you know, I just, I just went for entertainment value, and 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 the things that I noticed were the costumes, were the set designs, were the the music, um, the fonts used, right, the hair, the makeup, all of those things I noticed that that were just just meticulous. And in my opinion, this movie was flawless and I could Mm -hmm. critique it because that's what we do as human beings, but it was perfect for me.
3: I had to see it three times because I, when I did see it the first time I was so overwhelmed. (laughs) And uh, the second time I saw it, it was a party. Like we were all just there to party, you know? And so it was, it was a different kind of feel. And the third (laughs) time I really got to look at it, I, I left, you know, I I agree with you. I left feeling taller. Um, I left uh, really actually being inspired to do more design work and to look at uh, uh, look at wearables because I was like, I w- I want to build Wakanda mm-hmm. tech, and everybody was working on like wearable technology. No, but it was it was very rare to see somebody working mm-hmm. on a screen um, in that design in the Wakandan design lab. Um, and so I, I really left wanting to engage with my craft even more, um, and I felt, I felt, I felt like the movie saw not only me, but like me and my friends, which is something that's very, very rare when I consume media, um, even other black media that's like fantasy and sci-fi and stuff like that.
0: Uh, I was just thinking about like how I felt walking out, and uh, like like y'all, I felt so much taller. I felt like, yes, I am so lucky to be born black. I have all this in my, like, blood, in my genes. I can, like, create this future that I, that was just depicted for me. Like, it was like, oh, here's a blueprint. Now make it. And I felt like, Yeah. yeah, I can, I can definitely do that. My when my wife and I were walking out the theater, uh, four four little black girls with face paint uh, walked by us, and I yelled at Wakanda. And because I was just so happy, I was just like, "Yes, you're going to see." I could tell. And just seeing all the people in there cheering after the movie was over, and just being so happy and smiling, there was not a single frown, and there were people of all ages nationalities in that theater i really am looking forward to like jordan working on physical things because i spend a lot of my time coding these days and after seeing that i was just like i need to figure out where to get supplies to create like real kimoyo beads like some Mm. iot things like I, I feel like it can be possible to do simple things like, oh, have this bead to turn on a light. I don't care what it does. I just want a bracelet that does something and that and that looks like their beads and uh to try and create basically what I saw because that is a world I definitely want to be a part of.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, just to end it out for me, I was so inspired by the explosion of culture mm-hmm. around just the people wanting to go see the movie, you know, the people that dressed up. I mean, uh-huh. I went to three different showings and people were dressed to the nines for every single one. I mean, and car print dashikis, you name it. Some were wearing like, uh, like, 60s yeah. black panther garb like black leather you also had people that were just in regular you know sort of graphic tees it's interesting that this movie kind of sits at the intersection of all three of those in terms of how people chose to express themselves uh here in atlanta uh we had a theater um it's uh amc south lake 24 84 showings in one night wow wow i mean it's amazing the amount of of uh energy and enthusiasm and culture that's around, you know, people kind of getting into this movie. And my only hope is that it will plant the seeds for people to end up mm. creating more great work. One thing I thought was interesting as I heard people talk about the movie afterwards is, you know, they want to know about Wakanda. And then I saw some Twitter threads where people were dissecting the cultures yeah. that were referenced throughout Wakanda. And it was interesting how uh the movie certainly tapped into something in a lot of people that it tapped into this hunger uh for a sort of culture and mythology around black people <laughs> that has existed Aww. for all this time. You know, this movie was just kind of the key that unlocked that. And so I hope as this movie goes on, of course there'll be a sequel. It's made over $200 million over a three day weekend. There will definitely be a sequel. I hope that this just continues to create Uh, that spark in people that encourages them to learn more, do more Mm -hmm. and create more.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so rare that you get to see, um, you know, you made me just realize that like, one of the things is you, it's so rare that you get to see uh, a black fantasy world that's set in the past. That isn't like, you know what I mean? So like you, I, I kept being like, man, is this what like white fanboys feel like all the time when they see like, You know, when they see Middle <laughs> Earth, when they see Randa Rock when they see, like, you know, Asgard and all these places, because it's so rare that you see something that's rooted in black, like, African mythology um, and in any way, yeah. shape or form. And I think that is, like, when you speak to that hunger, I think that, like, I want... You know, there's some really brilliant authors out there who are crafting, who are doing world building. Uh, shout out to uh, N.K. Jemisin, who's doing some really great work, but it's so rare that you get to see that and it also have a bunch of Black people in it, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I really hope that this helps people create more worlds that are set in various parts of the continent or draw from various parts of the continent and the nations therein. To, uh, to create beautiful, rich, textured worlds like that.
1: I agree. Well, I want to thank you all for being a part of this very special sort of Black Panther episode. Uh, just to kind of end it off, let everyone know where they can find out more about you and your work online.
3: I'm on Twitter um, at uh, Mr. Uh, underscore Smaragdon, that's spelled S M A R A G. D i n e, Um, and right now, if you go to my page, you'll just see a bunch of Black Panther retweets. Uh (laughs) Real (laughs) deep, real deep. Uh, So uh, that's mostly where you'll find me online. I I have a portfolio. It's very derelict right now, so um, please don't go to that. Or you can, (laughs) but just know that like there's another one in the works. Um, and yeah, I'm at UW, I'm at the university of Washington right now. So, um, that's where a lot of my work is being done.
2: I, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at R E G underscore I-N-E-E, And, uh, you can check out my consulting business website, Gilbert consulting Group dot co.
0: Oh, and I am currently on Twitter at N-E-T-O-P-W-I-B-B-Y. But um, I'm thinking about maybe not being on Twitter anymore because I'm <laughs> I'm making my own social network uh, and it is available at S-O-C-I-I network in alpha mode. So, you know, sign up for the mailing list if you want information.
1: All right. Sounds good. Well, I want to thank you all again for being a part of this. And uh, yeah, go see Black Panther. Go see it as many times as your budget will allow. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Go. Just buy a ticket. Just just drive drive the the box office promotions up.
3: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm waiting for the four-hour
1: director cut. I know Listen, it, it, it better be on the Blu-ray. It better be on oh, there. I want seriously so much more Wakanda. There's so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to know what got cut out to get to. That's the, what I'm. Yeah. To yeah. get to the brilliance <laughs> that we have now. I want it all. I want the whole fire hose. I want all <laughs> of <Or something>. Right. <laughs> just inspire me through osmosis. I want all of it. That didn't even occur
0: to me. A director's cut. Man, you just yeah. blew my mind twice in the last yeah. hour.
3: Me, <laughs> like the original. The original cut was four hours. Um, and what? then Under two. Yeah. It no, was so. an hour and a
0: half. Oh, yeah. So they they cut a lot. Oh, yeah. man. I, oh, I cannot wait
1: for that. <laughs> Thoughts of love are in your mind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this bonus episode of Revision Path, all about the design of Black Panther. Forgive the audio quality. This is the first time that we've tried to do an episode. Uh, with four people and so that was a lot of audio to try to pull together so hopefully it sounded good we may try this again in the future i don't know you let me know did you like the format of this episode uh send me an email uh, mail at revisionpath.com or revisionpath at gmail.com let me know maybe we'll do some more of these in the future this was kind of fun might you know discuss a few design topics or something like that let me know what you think again i want to thank our panelists. Paul Anthony Webb, uh, Regine Gilbert, Jordan Green. And, of course, I want to thank you for listening. Please, if you love this episode, let us know. Subscribe uh, to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. We're on Spotify now. We're on SoundCloud. Rate us, review us so more people can listen to this episode. Share it with any Black Panther fans that you know. And we want to hear from you. Again, send us an email, mail at revisionpath.com or revisionpath at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Next week is our fifth anniversary episode, so until then, we'll see you next time.